Hello, everybody. I'm Warren Smith coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Natasha Smith coming to you from Colorado Springs, Colorado. And we'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. On today's program, students at Seattle Pacific University end their sit-in for LGBTQ rights, but the controversy at this Christian school is not likely to go away. And we check in with some prominent pro-life ministries to see how the Dobbs decision, the Supreme Court decision that overturned Roe v. Wade, will impact their work. We begin today with a report that rapidly rising prices are having a significant impact on ministries that provide food and housing for the poor. Yeah, for example, at Seven Loaves Food Pantry, which is at St. Andrew's United Methodist Church in Plano, Texas, they have volunteers who serve 800 to 1,200 families a week. They've been doing that since the COVID-19 pandemic began. That's a dramatic increase over pre-pandemic levels. And Seven Loaves is not alone. Yeah, a recent survey by the anti-hunger organization Feeding America has shown that increased demand has affected nearly 80% of American food banks, and also higher prices are causing more families to seek assistance. Fuel prices are also taking quite a toll. That's right. Uh, Fuel prices hit food costs in a number of ways. For one thing, it increases the price of production. Most farms have big equipment and are significant fuel users. And when you increase the price of fuel, of course, you add to the expense for those farmers. Then, of course, there's the cost of moving farm commodities, the wheat, the corn, whatever is produced, to the processing plants from the farms. And many charities themselves have fuel costs. Yeah, Mike Hoffman is the inventory and logistics director at the Midwest Food Bank, which is a Christian charity that serves more than 2,000 churches, nonprofits, and community centers across the country. Now, he told us that they actually have a fleet of semi-trucks. And he says, we've gone through an entire year's fuel budget in just the first five months of the year. Warren, do you have any idea how many people are impacted by these problems? Well, we do have an idea, but it's really just that, an idea, an approximation, and it varies widely by region. For example, experts estimate that about 15% of West Virginians experience food insecurity. That's about a quarter of a million people in that state. For other states, the percentage is mostly lower. West Virginia is near the top of the list. But Feeding America estimates that overall about one in eight Americans are now experiencing food insecurity. And if you do the math on that, Natasha, it's about 40 million people. Well, our next story is an update on the protests that have been taking place at Seattle Pacific University. Yes, students from Seattle Pacific University, which is a Christian school associated with the Free Methodist Church, have ended their more than month-long sit-in protesting the board of directors' decision to uh, affirm uh, traditional biblical values when it comes to the hiring of people who identify as LGBTQ. They're now going to pursue legal action, however, against the trustees, according to a statement that they posted on Friday on Instagram. Uh, The Associated Students of Seattle Pacific is the name of the group, and so far they've raised about $36,000 through a GoFundMe campaign to cover their legal fees. 
The students are upset because the trustees reaffirmed its stand on traditional marriage and human sexuality. Yeah, that's right. Though I think it's important to note that the students who are upset, who have been protesting, uh, have been a pretty small minority of the SPU community. Uh, I should also note that Tracy Norlin, who is a spokesperson for Seattle Pacific University, said that there were absolutely no plans to change the university's employee lifestyle expectations, which includes traditional views on sexuality and a policy against hiring full-time faculty who violate it, including those who engage in homosexual activities. Now, at issue is the school's lifestyle expectation policy, as I mentioned, that states in part that, and I'm quoting here, employees are expected to refrain from sexual behavior that is inconsistent with the university's understanding of biblical standards, including cohabitation, extramarital sexual activity, and same-sex sexual activity. Our next story is one that originated from the Ministry Watch database. That's right. Ministry Watch has a database of about a thousand of the largest Christian ministries in the nation, and we're constantly updating financial and other information in the database. Now, some of these updates are automated. For example, when an organization files a Form 990 with the IRS, we automatically import that data. And you get a daily email report telling you what organizations have been updated. And recently you saw something that caught your attention. Yeah, it's not often that the assets of a Christian ministry drop by nearly 50% in a single year, but that is precisely what happened at Cure International, which is a nonprofit that ministers primarily to children with disabilities through a network of pediatric hospitals, mostly in Africa. From 2020 to 2021, though, Cure's assets dropped from $114 million down to $61 million. That doesn't sound good. No, it doesn't. And that's why I asked uh, our reporter, Kim Roberts, to reach out to the organization for an explanation. And it turns out that this big drop actually involves a pretty great story. Dave Hellman, who is Cure's chief financial officer, told Ministry Watch that the significant change was primarily because they transferred a hospital, I mean, a complete hospital facility in the United Arab Emirates to another like-minded ministry. The hospital in the United Arab Emirates was primarily a maternity hospital that didn't align with Cure's mission to help disabled children as closely as they'd like for several reasons. Yeah, UAE has a fairly robust national health care system, for one thing, so many families have other available options besides Cure's care. Uh, additionally, Cure was fairly limited in its ability to provide spiritual gospel-centered ministry. In other words, they do the hospital work in part hand-in-hand with uh, their evangelistic mission as well. And they were discovering that it just wasn't easy or in some cases even possible for them to do that in that predominantly Muslim country. So this big drop in assets was in fact a great story of a ministry staying focused on what it was called to do. Uh, Not many Christian ministries would have had the courage to make such a pivot. In fact, one of the problems of many well-established Christian ministries is that they experience what has been called mission creep or mission drift. To see an organization like Cure International recognize that tendency in themselves and to do something fairly dramatic about it is, in fact, pretty commendable. 
Warren, we need to take a break, but when we return, we'll take a look at the future of pro-life ministries in the post-Roe era. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host Warren Smith. We'll be back after this short break. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Now, with the United States Supreme Court decision last month in the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization case to overturn almost 50 years of a federally recognized right to abortion, pro-life ministries across the countries are preparing for a new era. Yeah, some are tweaking their strategies, but according to the ministries we contacted, the essential work remains more or less the same, which is to faithfully serve women and promote the message that all life is precious. The Radiance Foundation was founded in 2009 by Ryan and Bethany Baumberger. Its purpose is to create a culture that believes every human life has purpose. Yeah, and after the recent Dobbs decision uh, sent the abortion uh, question back to the states, Baumberger said that his group will continue to promote its same life-affirming message, but he also said that while their focus has been nationwide, that they plan to focus more on states with the most radical abortion laws. I should also add that uh, I have Ryan Baumberger on this week's Ministry Watch Extra episode, and it's a pretty lively and, I think, encouraging conversation. I recommend that you check it out. And Ministry Watch also reached out to CareNet. Yeah, CareNet supports one of the largest networks of pregnancy centers uh, in North America with about 1,200 affiliates. They claim to have saved 823,000 babies from abortion since 2008. I spoke with CareNet President and CEO Roland Warren, and he said he's grateful for the DOPS decision, but he also acknowledged that while it has been overturned, it's not been overturned in the hearts and minds of many people in this country. He has been working to prepare CareNet's network of pregnancy centers and staff for the overturning of Roe v. Wade for a number of years, he said. In fact, he said for the last few years, he's been asking the pregnancy resource centers around the country, what would you be doing the day after Roe is overturned? And that's what we should be doing right now. He said that as a consequence of sort of asking and trying to get clarity about the answer to that question, that they have refocus some of their efforts to include building strong families that encourage uh, God's design for marriage, motherhood, and fatherhood, and to help those families become disciples of Christ. Roland Warren also said 
86% of women who have abortions are unmarried. Uh, yeah, that's right. And that's one of the reasons why they have shifted their focus just a little bit onto building strong families and Christian discipleship. Because he said that a ministry to women with unplanned pregnancies that doesn't take those other aspects into account become transactional ministries and not truly transformational in nature. Uh, Roland Warren told me that uh, women will find themselves in the same situation over and over again. Uh, now, both Ryan Bomberger and Roland Warren pointed out that pregnancy centers alone can't be the whole answer, uh, our entire response to the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Both of them said to me that the real answer is in the churches. Yes, pregnancy resource centers can be one answer to particular questions, but it's going to take the entire body of Christ working together to support women and help in discipleship so that this will truly be a moment that changes the hearts and minds and makes a real difference in American culture. Warren, we're going to take another quick break. When we return, our weekly lightning round of ministry news. I'm Natasha Smith with my co-host Warren Smith. More in a moment. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Now, we like to use this last segment as a sort of lightning round of shorter news briefs. What do you have first? Well, I have first up a new study by the independent sector that says nonprofit organizations contributed about $1.4 trillion to the nation's economy during the first quarter of 2022, with growth in the gross value added by nonprofits exceeding the growth of the gross domestic product by about 1%. In other words, the nonprofit sector is growing faster than the economy as a whole. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it indicates a robust nonprofit sector in this country right now. However, the same study said that despite the fact that giving has remained strong in 2022, inflation is taking a toll. The study found that merely holding steady financially is not going to be good enough for some organizations to maintain staff, services, and impact at 2021 levels. And I should also add that the Dow Jones Industrial Average. In other words, the level of the stock market has been a real predictor for giving in years past. And we've seen the stock market go down nearly 30% in the first half of 2022. So a lot of nonprofits are getting a little nervous right now uh, about the state of the economy and sort of, you know, what the future holds. Now, you can read the entire study. Uh, including more analysis of the data that we've already covered here by going to the Ministry Watch website. 
I can imagine that ministry leaders will be really interested in this study, and some of them might also be interested in our question of the week. Yeah, we've been doing this question of the week now for probably a month or six weeks or so, and it's been pretty popular on our site. This week's question is, would it be legal to use a recording of our board meeting as the official minutes to our board meeting? So what's the answer? Well, the answer is probably it would be legal so long as you have the consent of the directors and others attending the meeting, which may be, in fact, required to record the meeting in some states, especially if it's done over the telephone or via Zoom. That said, our legal expert, Don Kramer, says that while it might be legal, it wouldn't be very wise. And he cites the Goldilocks story to make his point. You probably know the story. Not too hot, not too cold, but just right? So Goldilocks would be very unhappy with a transcript or a recording. Yeah, according to Don Kramer, Goldilocks, in fact, would be. uh, It would be providing both too much information, probably way too much information if you did a full transcript or recording, and at the same time, too little information because it would be hard to find what you're actually looking for. For example, resolutions that got passed by the board if you just sent out a transcript of the entire board meeting. So he strongly encourages summaries of key discussions and the documentation of board actions, not a recording, not a full transcript. You can read more about what Don Kramer has to say about that by going to the Ministry Watch website and looking for the question of the week. And who do you have in the ministry spotlight this week? Well, we have Frontiers International. It's a ministry that began in 1984, so that would be nearly 40 years ago, to plant churches to the least evangelized people in the world, primarily to Muslims. It's a ministry, though, that has grown and now does just under $40 million a year in revenue. That's pretty big. Is that why you wanted to feature it? Well, certainly one of the reasons, $40 million uh, takes you sort of into the big leagues in terms of Christian ministries in this country. On our list of the Ministry Watch 1000, it comes in 180, so, you know, pretty near the top of the largest Christian ministries in this country. But a bigger reason that I wanted to shine a light on Frontiers International is to note that it has recently sought to be classified as an association of churches. The IRS granted that request in August of last year. And here at Ministry Watch, that causes us some concern. We don't really honestly like it when we see this. We think that ministries should not reclassify themselves as a church and remain completely transparent, including releasing their Form 990s to the public. So we're going to be digging a little more deeply into Frontiers International in the months ahead. Do you have any final thoughts before we go? Well, I do have a couple of housekeeping items. Uh, First, I want to just say a big thank you to those of you who gave a fiscal year-end gift to us last month during the month of June. We had nearly 200 donors during the month of June who gave us about $20,000, which did get us to our ambitious monthly goal, and I'm super grateful for that. Wasn't sure we were going to make it, but we did, and I'm grateful for the support. I also wanted to mention 
that I was in Southern California last week and had the pleasure of hosting a luncheon for Ministry Watch supporters uh, at a restaurant in Newport Beach. And I want to just say a hearty thank you to those who came out for that event. And I wanted to mention that I'll be doing a similar lunch in Des Moines, Iowa on July 19th. That's uh, next a couple of Tuesdays from now, actually. If you live within driving distance of Des Moines and you'd like to attend, shoot me an email and we'll make sure that you get an invitation. My email address is wsmith at ministrywatch.com. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosel and Jeff McIntosh. We get database and other technical support from Kathy Guttard, Stephen DeBerry, Emily Kern, Rod Pitzer, and Casey Suddeth. Writers who contributed to today's program include Haley Barker, Riley Farrell, Marika Proctor, Kim Roberts, Alejandra Molina, and Donald Kramer. Special thanks to the Nonprofit Times for contributing materials to this week's podcast. And you've been listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Until next time, may God bless you.